Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. I'm James Kay, and with me, as always, is my man, Chris Pennant. Chris, did something happen in Skytown this past week? I, not, uh, a I haven't, not a thing. Not a right? thing, That's man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, it's been like four days where we've now woken up in the morning knowing that Candace Parker is going to suit up with the Chicago Sky <laughs> next season? I mean... Like I was telling you before the show, like I still can't believe it. It's still weird to say those words out loud. I mean, where's your head right now? It's incredible. Uh, it, it's incredible for me. I think part of it is being as involved with the WNBA as I have been over the last few years. And it's a testament to the league's uh, increased profile, the new CBA that was signed last year uh, that really caused, that brought all of this about because with higher salaries, there's more incentives for players to move. And mm-hmm. I think that is uh, that combined with a little bit of luck. Shout out to Matt Barnes for being right. Uh, that's what brought Candace Parker to the sky. It's unbelievable. Like you said, it's unbelievable. To be honest with you, I mean, when people started to talk about it this past off season, there was someone that I, um, you know, who I trust with, league sources and stuff where they were saying, you know, I'm hearing that she's probably going to return to LA. And that was all I needed to not get my hopes up for Candace Parker coming to the sky. It was such an obvious fit, but you didn't, I didn't want to get my hopes up for that. Um, It's just someone who wants to see Chicago sports thrive. And it really picked up momentum quickly. You know, like this was something that kind of felt like it can't like um, it was a little bit stagnant throughout the winter. And, and then all of a sudden we were just hearing whispers of Candace Parker's meeting with the Chicago sky to discuss her potential future there. And it was just like, wait a second, what, this is actually going to happen. Like you'd then you'd see someone, I think Maggie Hendricks is the one who tweeted out that this potentially could be the biggest signing in Chicago sports free agency since John Lester in 2016. And yeah, yeah. I remember she said that. You know, to be honest with you, it feels even bigger than that if you consider just who is coming over. You know, like we're talking about a former MVP, someone who succeeded at every single level of basketball, has succeeded in the booth as a broadcaster. I mean, this, right. we're talking about just someone who's just a, who knows success. And, you know, I was, I was really blown away by the whole thing. Um, you know, the one thing that I hope just before we dig deep into the sky's 2021 outlook, you know, with Candace Parker, I just think it can't be said enough that this move to pry her away from LA just doesn't happen without James Wade coming in on day one in 2018 and just building a culture that would attract a superstar like her in free agency. You know what I mean? Like I think about the narrative with this team before he came in, just every superstar wanting out, you know, they wanted out of Chicago, which is crazy just considering the market that Chicago is. And I know that they played in, you know, 40 minutes away from Chicago for a long period of time um, at Allstate, but it's still Chicago, you know, and for James Way to come in and breathe life into the franchise and put them in a position to get a former MVP um, and someone who, you know, a defensive player of the year last year, I just think that it can't be understated how difficult of a process that is in just under three years as both the head coach and the GM to pull off a move like this. So I think it's just, 
important to acknowledge that like this acquisition is more than just a semi-contender turning into a top two team in the WNBA. It's a sign that the Sky have actually created something here that they can build on for, for years to come. You know what I mean? It's big, gigantic. It, it really yeah. is. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's weird because culture is kind of a, a catch-all word that uh, our profession used to really uh, kind of an intangible thing because you can't put culture in a statute. So teams who win have a good culture. They have a, they have a culture. They win for a long time, so they must have some sort of thing that makes them a good team, makes them a good organization. And that's a good culture, right? That's a winning culture, so to speak. And teams who have the opposite or the teams who uh, contend and then don't quite make it. And then you hear whisperings that uh, players are at odds. They have, they don't have the right culture. You know, they, they'll have some sort of issues in the locker room. They'll have uh, coaches who are too player friendly, something like that. Right. But with James Wade, we actually have seen that close up. We know mm-hmm. that him, one, being a former player, two, being just a grounded person, and I think three, coming from Minnesota, did a lot for it. He has not only been a player's coach, but also a coach who is not unwilling, a coach and a general manager, we should say, who's not unwilling to pull the, pull the string in terms of maybe letting go of a player that fits within the team fabric very well, in an effort to get a better one. The Jontel Lavender move was a surprise to Jontel and to the rest of the team. But, and, and uh, to me as well, I, I, I think that you might feel the same way, but he felt that there was, a, there were, this guy could improve at that position and Jontel being injured. And, you know, honestly, it might've been some of the exes of the statistical part of it as well, because we know Jontel who was trying to move her range outside would take those shots like a couple of steps inside the three-point line. And even though that was a shot that she hit a lot, you're losing out on an extra point every time that she hits that shot. So getting a player like Candace Parker not only is a testament to that winning culture that he's brought to the team, but also, again, I think to the the CBA that allowed – um, while the sky might be in a precarious situation next year in terms of the salary cap, it allowed them to pay their star players as they should be paid. And so they were less, they were probably less tempted to some degree to take deals elsewhere, talking about Slooty and, and um, Allie Quigley. So you have that core group of players, you have the draft picks, and we got to give some credit. I think Ari Chambers said it. We got to give credit to Amber Stocks, even though her tenure as a coach and GM was not great in terms of record. She put in the draft picks for Diamond to Shields and Gabby Williams. And that's part of that core that ultimately enticed Candace Parker to come here. And um, just you, like you said, it really can't be overstated what Candace Parker means, but let's try. Two-time Illinois misses basketball. Four years at at Tennessee with Pat Summit, probably the last couple of great classes that legendary coach Pat Summit had at Tennessee. Correct me if I'm wrong, but NCAA champion, mm-hmm. two-time league MVP, nine-time All WNBA, 2016 league champion, and in doing so dethroned one of the great dynasties in the WNBA's history in the Minnesota Lynx. And still running at 14, if you round up, averaged 15, 10, and 5 last year 
at age 34, one defensive player of the year. And I know there's some people who might disagree with that, <laughs> but the, you know, the, 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 it's voted on how it's voted and the, the trophies are handed out at the end of the year. And Candace Parker had good defense. And even, even she, I saw something, um, on Instagram, she's like, "You play one year of defense, and then all they start all show, all they show is your defensive clips." <laughs> but she is probably second only to Cheryl Miller in terms of athlete siblings who both play the same sport, and the sister has more profile than the other than the uh, than the brother. No disrespect to my Bradley alum Anthony Parker, but Candace is 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 better. You know, she's just that much better. And it, people still, her name rings bells in the, in, in the side, in the, in the streets still in Chicago. She has to, even if she's from Naperville, people will remember Candace Parker forever because she was that impactful when she was in high school. So in terms of like the John Lester signing to compare to that, John Lester is a great pitcher, but he wasn't from, he wasn't from the crib. Candace Parker mm-hmm. is from Chicago. Or yeah. sorry, she, she's from Naperville. She's from Chicago land. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't put that out there and not say that. Dude, I actually, I mean, I agree with you. We've talked about this before. Like the diff, like uh, people from like Juliet saying they're from Chicago, and like, nah. you know, if, you, if you can't take yeah, can't a CTA there, you're not from Chicago. I'm sorry. Yes, if you can't um, take CTA. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think I agree with everything you just said. I mean. It, this is such a big deal for Chicago, um, for, for the Chicago sports landscape, honestly. And, we're, and you saw that people were reporting, like big outlets were reporting this news because they realize how immense it is. And, um, you know, I don't think we need to harp on that necessarily for, for too like for too long. But this was such a big move. And it really does put the sky into contender status right away. To be honest with you, I thought that if that entire team stayed healthy last year, that with the depth that they had, being able to put 10 players out there and feel confident in those 10 players, that they could have really made noise in the playoffs and, you know, injuries really did them in at the last part of the season. Um, But now heading into 2021, they still have all of this depth and they've added that superstar that they've really needed um, I mean, that's the, the biggest thing that people said about the sky is that they just are lacking that one superstar. And, you know, Candace kind of, you know, she fits the bill. You know, they finally landed the superstar they've been looking for over the last couple of years. And Courtney Vandersloot, like no questions asked, she is a superstar. Um, but I mean, you got to look at the history of the league and the, those who have won the WNBA finals. You need more than one to make it to the mountaintop. And uh, I think everyone in the league was kind of waiting for that spot to be filled by Diamond to Shields, especially after her 2019 season where she was an all-star. But, you know, we didn't get a chance to see her blossom to, you know, be that potential superstar last season just because of injuries. So instead of like rolling the dice again, which I think you could make the case that James Wade from 2019 to 2020 did bet on just roll it like you know rolling out with the same roster by acquiring candace parker he's kind of balancing both new faces and again like betting on the players that he's built relationships with over the last two years and i look at this from every angle and i just don't see any downsides um across the board like i still think that 
Diamond will be able to have her fair share of the offense, but now doesn't have to have the same pressure to come through as someone who's still developing her game, you know, like actually just to sidetrack a little bit, it's kind of crazy to say this out loud, but she's now the sky's like fourth best player. Right. I mean, I didn't think I was going to say, I was going to say that, especially after 2019, like how could you possibly, like, I thought that she was going to ascend. Um, but I look at this sky roster and I think, you know, Vanderquig's just the consistent consistency that they have. They probably have a little bit over diamond, right now and then Candace Parker I mean she's Candace Parker um isn't it kind of crazy right now that Diamond De Shields is the sky's fourth best player as of right now entering the 2021 season yeah um I I'm a bit more bearish on where they fall right now in the landscape and obviously we're not going to talk about all the moves uh, that have been made around the league yet but until somebody has a better defense than Seattle Seattle's still number one for me um, and it's even the mystics are, are, it depends on what happens with, with their two big players, Elena and Tina Charles, but the, what happened with the sky, I think are things that we still have to get a verdict on, um, diamonds, hip injury mm-hmm. really severely limited her. And while we've all been waiting for that break, that moment where we absolutely know, we thought it was that playoff game against Phoenix, where Diamond was a superstar, like just in the making, waiting for the crown. We haven't we haven't gotten there yet by by hook or by crook. And then Azare Stevens is coming back, it has to has to come back from her injury as well. And that's a big part of what made the sky a better team last mm-hmm. year. They had a long rangy player who could step outside and provide some interior defense uh, rim protection. So that's what we really need to see. And we need to see what Candace is going to be able to do. She's had some time laid off. Um, it'll There'll be the sunshine and roses of the change of scenery for sure. Uh, just getting away from Derek Fisher will help Candace Parker immensely. <laughs> but, you know, it's going to be, ideally, it's going to be a full 36-game season as opposed to last year's 22. And she'll be 35. Mm-hmm. So need, well, she'll be turning 35. So we need to see exactly what she brings to the table. But yes. It is crazy to think that D-Double could be the fourth best player on the sky. And I think that will be um, as mercurial and as independent as she is. And I don't mean to say those in any way. If anybody thinks that those are dog whistles, they're not. That is just speaking to the type of person that Diamond DeShields is. She is not going to feel any external pressures. She is going to move at her own rhythm but she knows what she wants. And I know that she wants to be in that top five, top 10, top five echelon of players in the league. We need to see what she, uh, what she's going to do, what she can do to make that happen. And so I think bringing Candace Parker in will spur her on to do that. Just need to see exactly how things will fit together. I told, I talked to the guys on the running with war podcast on Thursday, if the sky run off like five of their first six or win six in a row to start the season, then I will be very comfortable saying there's there are not three teams better than this team. There might be one or two, but there might not be three. But I need to wait and see that. I would need to see that happen first. Yeah, I so I agree with you. And there, I mean, I don't know. I do think that this is already a top two team just because of what Seattle has already lost this offseason. I mean, losing Alicia Clark, one of their defensive anchors, her going to the Mystics. I mean, that the Mystics are just... It's uh, so wild. 
I know. I mean, the, the Mystics hung tight last offseason. Everyone thought that they were going to be more of a bottom feeder, and then they kind of proved everyone wrong. They really did, <laughs> yeah. Coach T, yeah. Coach T was like, what was that again? Do you guys not know my resume? Do I need to print it out? Do you put it on LinkedIn? <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the Mystics are already better. Um, and, um, you know, and they're, I mean, actually, we don't really know the status of, like, if Elena Deladon's going to be back. You know, who knows with how... Um, how vaccination is going to work. Maybe she, hopefully, I hope she gets vaccinated and can play this upcoming season. Um, but, yeah. you know, there's so many factors with that. But what, I'm just trying to focus on, like, what we know right now. I think Washington is obviously back to contender status um, with that move to get Alicia Clark. Um, I think Seattle, I mean, Seattle's, they lost uh they, I mean, they're going to lose Natasha Howard for sure. I mean, they just signed Epiphany Prince, former Chicago Sky player, to a multi-year deal, and I th- kind of think that uh, <laughs> they, I think they know what's coming more than we do. Um, clearly, um, so I mean, I, I think that when you look at the landscape of the league, that I just, I kind of just see this team being able to pull it off. But in terms of what you were just talking about as well, just. You're right. There are some question marks, and they're undeniable. I mean, Azure is dealing with what the cartilage injury that it could be. I mean, who knows how available she will be? Diamond is still recovering. I'm, I'm hoping that an entire off season to just rest, get stronger, get better, will benefit her being able to, you know, coming back in 2021. I still look at the rest of the roster though. And I think that they have enough wing depth where they also don't need to play Candace Parker over 30 minutes a game necessarily, or need to, Mm. I mean, they can still rely on Kalia Copper, you know, who just averaged 31 minutes per game last season um, and enjoyed, you know, pretty solid success. I mean, uh, being able to be in the mix for most improved player of the year last year. I mean, she improved, Gabby Williams improved and she'll want more playing time and you know, we'll see. I mean, the sky has so many free agents coming up next season that everyone's just going to be a little bit hungry in, ter- in terms of making sure that they make the most of their playing time. And I think there's plenty, and like you know, there's plenty of playing time out there for this team that they can make that work. You don't want to run Slooty into the ground. You don't want to do the same thing with Ali Quigley. You know, so there's there's minutes to be had for everybody on this roster quite honestly and especially if they play that 34 game season we talked about the disease of more i don't necessarily think that's as big of a problem with candace coming into town especially now that there's but there's more minutes in the front court to be had with cheyenne leaving for the atlanta dream so that's to me where like i think a lot of the biggest question marks come i mean obviously health um I mean, I didn't even include Steph on that list of players that were banged up last season, like Steph, Azure, and uh, who was the other one? Steph, Azure, and um, and Diamond. I mean, th- those those were all question marks last year in terms of having a clean bill of health. But if everybody can stay, just like if, if, if there's not like three injuries that happen at the same time, this team has the depth to make up for the injuries that it's dealt with over the last couple of years. And see, that's that's the thing. A couple times we had to say if the if the team can avoid injuries, yeah. if the team can avoid, and that's not something you want to say um, when you're talking about one a team that you follow, the team that you love, but also a team that you want to put into that championship conversation. Now, every team has to before the season starts take out whatever 
instruments of divination that they believe in and hope that everybody stays as healthy as possible. That, that goes for every team. The thing is, we've had issues with Azure. There have been issues with Azure before that she was coming back from and came back mm-hmm. from very well. The cartilage injury just worries me so much. Um, it just worries me so much because she's a taller player. Yeah. And typically those knee cartilage injuries are degenerative. And so you don't want her to wear down one wear down fast, but you also, it's something that you have to look out for in terms of how much you can play her. So that's a one, the one, that's one reason why I'm cautious Two, diamonds, hip injury, like we said, and then it's just kind of fitting the team together on paper. If you just look at the on paper statistics, what Candace Parker will add and what she'll do in terms of getting more, um, taking a load off of Steph, I think especially because, and taking a bit of, uh, taking a load off of Gabby Williams where you don't necessarily have to put her at the four in those situations for defense because she's one of your better perimeter defenders, but she's gonna be undersized at the four spot if players moved, if the ball gets moved to the post. Now you can put Candace Parker in that slot and you can have a nice defensive team if you put, say, Slutie at the top, Ka, Diamond, uh, Ka, like switch Ka, Diamond, Gabby, uh, Candace, and, and Z in some ways. Like Ka or Gabby can switch 2-3 or 3-2 or Diamond. You can rotate any one of those three wing spots and then have those two players down low. So you have a nice defensive squad when you need it that can still create their own shot. So in that sense, on paper, that's where the sky are going to really have a chance to excel. But I want to wait. <laughs> yeah, I no, wait so bad. I get it. I get it, man. You have to. You have to wait. And I just think that what Candice brings to – like she fills a, a, most of the needs this team had entering the offseason. And in terms of finding someone who can – take the load off a sloot. I mean, I know that she's not the traditional fit of like finding, of having someone like a backcourt option to someone who can keep the offense flowing, but Candace can still be that person. I mean, she, like you said before, she averaged, I think what 4.6 assists per game last year. Yep. She, you know, I mean, again, she, like, I think she does like to play with pace and maybe that's something that she's not, not really going to be doing as much this late in her career, but she fits the, the style of play that this team plays and I'm trying to temper the expectations, but I just like, and you know, just her ability to, to like make up for some of the mistakes her teammates can make on, on defense. I'm not saying the sky, but if you look at the sparks last year, I mean, especially in that last playoff game against the Connecticut sun, you know, Candace was making up for some, <laughs> some mistakes there, like being able and uh, you know, she can just alter shots around the rim and is one of the best players in the league at doing that. So I don't know. I mean, I just think that she fills in that hole. Um, I'm curious to see what the sky do the rest of the off season. Maybe they try to move some of these pieces that they have. Like I'm, I'm really curious to see what they do with Steph. Like I, I think that Steph is really valuable to this team chemistry wise. And when she's able to be healthy, she does provide that. I mean, it's so important to have a stretch five like her, they can distribute the ball as well. Um, but yeah. I'm curious to see with her being an expiring contract, if they're able to do something with her um, to address again, like being able to have a backup for 
Courtney Vandersloot, which is something that was so glaring last season. I mean, they were one of the best teams in the league with Sloot on the floor, but then Sloot comes off and the, you know, the train goes off the rails. So they have to do something there. Um, but I agree with you for the most part. I mean, I think everyone should temper their expectations a little bit, but for what it looks like on paper, I mean, this team, they go nine deep um, and they have the number eight pick in the draft where they can do something with, um, you know, and actually the thing that I think we should also talk about before, I mean, we move on to talking about Cheyenne it, leaving the team. I hope it isn't lost that this was also the best destination for Candace to end up, you know, like, Again, like going back to that final playoff game, like in her final game with the Sparks, the Sun just double teamed her like anytime she touched the ball. And, you know, she's such a great player that she could handle that. But, and I know this is going to sound really obvious, but she's clearly better suited in an offense that defenses can't afford to double team her every time she touches the ball. And the Sky just has so many weapons where, like, again, I think Candace frees up Allie Quigley, and I think Allie Quigley kind of frees up. Candace Parker too. And like, same thing goes for salute. Same thing goes for diamond. There's just, you have to, defenses have to allocate their attention towards every player on the court, especially at starting five, which again, it's Vanderquig's diamond Candace and Steph potentially as I don't think I saw someone float that out there. I don't really necessarily think that as would start at the five or at least take on such a big load initially just because of her you know probably her being restricted at the beginning of the season due to health but I mean that's a really tough team and that you can't you have to pay attention to like pay um every every player demands attention so I think it's going to be interesting and and this team just can shoot the lights out from three like they shot 35 percent from three last year and Allie Quigley had one of the her worst three-point shooting seasons and I really don't see that I think I kind of see that being more of an anomaly than it is something that we'll continue to see um, the rest of her career, you know, like her shooting closer to 35%. I think she probably gets back up to 40% shooting from downtown. So um, that's why I, I just feel like this was the best destination for Candace. It was the, you know, the sky needed Candace, but I think Candace needed the sky just as much. That's an interesting, that's an interesting take. Um I can't see a, a reason to to dispute that. I mean, it's it's Candace. She could have had the pick of going anywhere. Um, it would have, I think, it would have been a little bit more difficult in in say Seattle or a team that was already established like that. There's no way that you're going to replace um, Asia in in Las Vegas, and mm-hmm. she and she and Candace would have had a hard time working together. I, I think just in, in terms of Asia's mid-range game and then the other teams that you, you look out for, maybe maybe Washington could have used her, but they have such an intricate uh, makeup. And Ariel Atkins and Aisha Hines-Allen really showed out last year. So yeah. maybe I think New York would have probably been the only team that would have had a, a, a shouting chance. And they're not necessarily in the running, I think, for a championship quite yet. I mean, it's a, it's just an interesting team to yeah. me. They they got things going a lot. Uh, Jocelyn Willoughby, who's at one of Eric Nemchuk's favorite players, <laughs> uh, really produced in, in short spurts and off the bench. She's tough, hard-nosed guard. Uh, they've got Zowie B in the middle and Sabrina coming back from injury and Kia Nurse, who's a solid player. 
Sorry, they wouldn't have necessarily been a championship team, but New York, with the place, with with what they're doing, with what their ownership is committed to doing, with Walt Hopkins and as a new coach that players seem to to follow, and who just seems to be fairly knowledgeable about what he's doing, mm-hmm. it would have been an interesting destination, um, and it would have provided a nice little competition for Connecticut. But yeah, it it really made a lot of sense for her coming to Chicago. Yeah. So. Look, I know there's a lot of hype with Candace coming. Is this our candlelight vigil for Cheyenne? Dude, this is a candlelight vigil for Cheyenne Parker. One CP comes in, another one leaves. Oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah. man. I just, I think about all the post-game interviews we've done. Yes. And she's just so, like, it doesn't matter if she was just benched or if she, you know, was coming off the game of her career. I mean, she's just so respectful and gracious and thoughtful, you know, after it didn't matter what the situation was. And, um, you know, after the productive year she had on the court last year, it kind of felt like this was coming, you know, like I think they, this guy had a chance to afford her. I mean, they had the, that max slot obviously, but it just, man, I, I, if they were going to land a Candace Parker, I mean, the writing was a little bit on the wall for Cheyenne to then, you know, not just, it's not even just about the money. It's just like, her being able to handle a bigger load and just like her increasing her usage and finding an Atlanta dream team that really, you know, suits her and like what her needs as a basketball player, you know? And, um, you know, she tweeted out, I think it was on her Snapchat or not. (laughs) No one does Snapchat stories anymore. Instagram story (laughs) where she, it was just like a, a black background and like the, like the lone tear emoji and, and, uh, I think the WNBA also had an Instagram post where she, it was like Friday mood. And then it was like Cheyenne dancing. And then she commented right underneath just with like this, with the teary eyed emoji. I know that this is just reading into it. And it's just, we're talking about emojis right now, but at the same time, it's just like, I feel so bad because she was so important for that team to, again, like the culture that was built there. It's not just on James Wade, obviously that is something that, you know, she like Cheyenne just being a really positive presence in Chicago. I mean, it, it's a bummer, you know, it is definitely um, a bummer, but, you know, I kind of felt like one of the biggest challenges James Wade had this off season was addressing the overlap on the roster too. And it, I know this is going to sound a little bit like a hot take, but hear me out. I feel like, you know, the stat sheet won't necessarily confirm this, but I thought what we saw from Ruthie Hebert in the last seven games of the season made Cheyenne just a little bit dispensable on the court, purely talking about on the court. Like when you consider Ruthie being on her rookie deal and Cheyenne getting the contract that she's going to get with the dream, I just felt like we saw enough out of Ruthie where she could be a viable option to fill some of the minutes Cheyenne is leaving behind. Like I think about that game in Seattle or not in Seattle, but against Seattle, where they, you know, where James Wade turned to Ruthie to be kind of like that spark plug and to like, you know, hey, you're going to, you're facing the champs, you know, be like, you have to have like a veteran presence to go against like a team like the Storm. And Ruthie, I think she filled in with like 12 points, like five rebounds. Um, and like there the, are these little moments that you had to watch the game to see her impact on the court that night. And, I thought what we saw from her, like that last stretch, that final third of the season, it was just like, okay, you know, if you had to let someone walk in free agency, 
Cheyenne probably was going to have to be that person just based on you have someone that has a similar skill set in Ruthie and you want to see her grow. And based on, you know, her having that rookie contract, um, it kind of made sense for Cheyenne to leave. And like, it's no, you know, it's not shade being thrown at Cheyenne at all, but when it comes to roster construction, it isn't really a personal decision. Like it's a personnel one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, there's something to be said for that. I we as we talked about Ruthie's development a lot, and I, mm-hmm. I loved the way that she came along throughout the season. Um, looking at these stats, she had two of her second highest scoring games against the Storm, uh, eleven points both times out. Now, granted, they were going to get some more. I think it was. I think we were weren't wouldn't be surprised that she would get more time against Seattle, especially. Um, in the second game because Z was out at that point in time, but also just because the, the, the sky couldn't really keep pace with the storm and they kept getting um, stymied on deep stymied on offense because of their good defense. So Ruthie came in to alleviate a bit and to get some time again, James Wade is not going to be a, a coach who's afraid of putting his younger players out there against the better teams to see what they're made of. And she showed up. Ruthie's yeah. great at that. She's fantastic in the pick and roll. And we knew coming from Oregon that she is a good floor run, uh, just a good rim runner. And that skill definitely translated to the, to the pro leagues. I don't, maybe in the future, if she develops the outside shot and the touch on a jump shot, I would, I would say that. And obviously mm-hmm. it's her second year. So there's a lot of time for that. But the way that Cheyenne really built herself up as a long-range shooting option rather than just somebody players can sag off of in that, um, in that high post or the top of the key, that is something that um, Cheyenne, Candace Parker is bringing to the table somewhat, but Ruthie hasn't gotten yet. Yeah. So that is I – can't, I can't say that they were necessarily expendable – that she was expendable because of Ruthie and her potential development – Monetarily, yes. You have a player who's in that in that same position, who's going to cost you a lot less money. Yeah. Then in that in that sense, you, that's a player that you would go with the lower. You go with a player that costs a little bit, costs you less. Mm-hmm. But in terms of replacing exactly what they can do, I think that's more bringing Candace in rather than um, Ruthie filling that slot. Now it gives you an extra yeah. an extra defense, uh, an extra dimension on your offense, or a different dimension on your offense. But I wouldn't interchange those two players necessarily. Yeah, and, and I and I wouldn't either. I just mean in terms of like some of the minutes that Cheyenne is leaving behind. Like I feel like James Wade will be more comfortable with Ruthie coming in year two again. Um, with that, con- I mean, again, it, it, this is more about a financial thing than it is about the you know the the players abilities like again i don't cheyenne is, i think is going to be great for the dream and you know justin carter wrote a nice piece on her a couple days ago so definitely check that out on winsider.com but sure um yeah again this is not shade th- being thrown at cheyenne by any means i'm really going to miss her um and i think the sky will to a certain extent as well um but you know when you get a chance to sign candace parker you just have to do it um but Chris, we're kind of running a little bit low on time. Is there anything that you want to talk about before wrapping the show up? Yeah, uh, what you alluded to a moment ago, the mm-hmm. team really is going to miss Cheyenne. Uh, the organization is going to miss Cheyenne. The fans are going to miss Cheyenne. And we're going to miss Cheyenne 
just like you said, she's a great post-game interview. I remember when I asked her about a game where she hit, I think, two threes, and I asked if that was becoming part of her game, and she's like, yeah, you know, that's something that I work on, you know? <laughs> and she's <laughs> just very just, – she's, she's so funny. She's just so funny, and she takes the game seriously but keeps it, uh, keeps it light in the, in the context of things. Uh, she's had an uh, – a journey like everybody's had a journey within this game of basketball uh, coming in and dealing with some uh, just off the court issues, I think in mentality mm-hmm. and then getting right with, uh, with uh, herself spiritually and with, um, with her uh, significant other who came on with the team and, and helped them um, with, I think just training. I remember reading about that. So it was interesting talking to her about how she prepared for games in the bubble um, in terms of meditation, trying to center herself, and that spread to a few other te- a few other players. And whereas Sluti is like the en- the engine of the team, right? As the, as she goes, the sky go. Cheyenne is really the heart and soul, I think, of yeah. the squad. If she got frustrated and got um, into it with the referees, then the sky lost something. If she was in- if she was enthusiastic, flying around for rebounds, they got that pickup. Uh, Ruthie was the same. Ruthie is the same way. I remember Coach Wade talking about it. Uh, like you said, players to come in and give a spark, and the uh, other players feed off of that. But Cheyenne really was that player for the team. She was the person who was going to let her emotions show as the "We're not backing down from you guys. This is my team. We're not backing down from you guys. We're not backing down from this challenge." And even in the games where they lost if they had that edge, especially last year where they had so many games that came down to the last five seconds or so, Cheyenne was in the midst of a lot of those players. And so they're really going to miss that. Um, It's going to, I'm not sure who it's going to come down to. If it might be Khalid Copper who takes on that role, if it might be uh, Ruthie once she's more comfortable in her sophomore season, if it might be Candace Parker who takes on that, grizzled veteran leadership type role of like yo get the f on board let's go you know yeah but they're really gonna miss that and i know whenever we get back into that interview room at Wintrust, we're, we're gonna miss that too i couldn't have said it better myself i mean you know what she does off the court as well and like you know just being immersed in the chicago community i mean she's just gonna be missed all around and um you know i wish her the best in atlanta um, maybe not her owners necessarily. Um, well, but let's see what happens. <laughs> let's see yeah. what happens. Oh man, what was it former senator Kelly Luffler? Yes, um, sir. Get yes, out of there. get the fuck out. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but really, I mean, I think that even with Cheyenne leaving the organization, I mean, if you if you just look at where it was in 2017 and then fast forward to now, I just I think that if we were talking to 2017 James and Chris about what this team would be looking like in a couple of years, we would have been a little bit shocked. And uh, here we are, Candace Parker to Chicago, Chris, thanks for hopping on the pod, man. Um, and, you know, thanks to all of you for listening. We got to be putting out another podcast soon. Cause I'm sure there's going to be something that comes up tomorrow and the first day of free agency, <laughs> the first Officially. official day of free agency. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so many moves have already been made, but um, Chris, this was so fun. And I'm looking forward to uh, another season of covering the Chicago sky. I can't believe this. Uh, 
I'm I'm still I'm still shocked, Chris. It's been five days and I'm shocked. So I think we're set up for a really solid 2021 campaign. Without doubt, man. Thanks to you all out there. Follow us on Twitter at Skyhookin. Uh, James, what's your Twitter handle one more time? Uh, it's like, I know it's, it's very uh, simple. I forgot <laughs> it. Hey, it's at James underscore M underscore K, which is K-A-Y. Chris, you go. <laughs> at Quandary Kitten, that's K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten. You know where to find us. Uh, follow us for uh, more updates on this upcoming season. But um, yeah, for now, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it.